Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimmel Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Burkhart, joined by my man, Justin Nutter. Guys, it's over. We've made it. Summer is done. It might still be like 90 degrees outside, but yeah, whatever. Summer is over. Football season has arrived. Week one is here. Cats, South Dakota Coyotes, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, Saturday, September third we have finally made it but damn it netter i will say the days leading up to that first game drag on just about as long as the entire month of august yeah it's definitely one of the longest weeks of the year for me um you know we've been hearing about practice we've been hearing about who looks good in camp blah 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 finally time to you know strap on the helmets and actually play someone else so no right there with you it's been uh been a grind of a week and i am i could not be more ready for saturday I'm sure that goes for 50,000 other K-State fans who will be making the trek to MHK this coming Saturday for the Wildcats season opener against the Coyotes out of the Missouri Valley Conference. We are here to break down that game for you guys. We'll be taking a look at the South Dakota offense and defense, how K-State matches up on both sides of the ball. And make no mistake about it, this is a quality FCS team. This group ended 2021 with a record of 7-5, and five, but they did get to host a playoff game for the first time since the program leveled up to FCS. They also toppled South Dakota State in the 2021 regular season, a monumental upset win for Bob Nielsen in what was his sixth year as head coach, now going into his seventh year, leading the Coyotes. And Nutter, you brought up a good nugget before we started recording Chris Kleiman, just purely by virtue of having coached in the Missouri Valley for as long as he did, understands the quality of football that is played in that conference. And the South Dakota team, while no, it might not be punching up at the level of a North Dakota state or a South Dakota state, still very much has a a talented roster by FCS standards. And it's absolutely the type of opponent who will provide a good opening test for this K-State team in week one. Yeah, I mean, if there's a coach, if there's a power five coach in America that's not going to overlook FCS, let alone the Missouri Valley, you know, we've got we've got him on our sideline, right? I mean, he made pretty quick work of the Missouri Valley for years in his time up in Fargo. And uh, you kind of mentioned it, you know, this team in particular is no slouch. It's one that's given K-State trouble in recent memory. Um, uh, it's one that took, I know, you know, make all the jokes you want about KU, KU needed a last-minute fourth-quarter drive to beat South Dakota in last year's opener, so these guys know how to go compete, you know, on the road uh, in a major college environment. So it's definitely not one you want to overlook. Like you said, definitely a good test. One K-State should be up for, obviously, but not your typical, you know, the old days of one double A. not your typical probably 40-50 point route. I don't foresee this to be a lopsided game either. However, I wouldn't turn down a 56-3 Kansas State victory if you were to give it to me. I think there's something to be said for programs like South Dakota that have continuity and culture in place. Bob Nielsen, the head coach, is entering his seventh year in running things in Vermilion. He's directed the Coyotes to a couple of playoff appearances in his time as head coach. That type of a team and program knows who it is and what it does and they go out and execute 
I would be far more worried about that type of a team than I would be a middling G5 team out of the Sun Belt or CUSA or MAC that has no identity on which to fall back. Those teams that are in just a perpetual state of flux because they're cycling coaches in and out every three to four seasons. If K-State were to host Akron or Charlotte or Texas State, I would feel very comfortable in telling you, Kansas State fans, that the Wildcats would not only win, but win decisively, putting up 45, 50 points and doing so. I don't expect that to be the case against South Dakota. I think they will put K-State in some less than advantageous spots. And honestly, that's one thing I, as a fan, don't like to see, but I do like to see because I want to see how this team responds, particularly when you consider the element of the new quarterback of Adrian Martinez and also working in some new personnel on the defensive side. I'm anxious to see how K-State responds on both sides of the ball, and we'll dive into that here momentarily. I want to bring it back, though, to South Dakota and talk about that program first at a high level. Bob Nielsen, as I just touched on, head coach is going into his seventh year. He's 0-3 against the Big 12. However, two of those three games were contests in which you could very convincingly argue that the Coyotes should have come out with victories. Most recently, this past season, South Dakota led in Lawrence against the Jayhawks for a lion's share of that game and ultimately ended up surrendering a late touchdown drive to quarterback Jimmy Bean, KU ekes out a 17-14 victory at Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. Rewind the clock back a few more years. Bill Snyder's what amounted to being his final home opener as Kansas State's head coach is a game in which the Wildcats trailed by double digits for a majority of the second half. And thankfully, from the K-State perspective, got some late-game heroics from Isaiah Zuber. He returns a punt for a touchdown. And also, he ultimately ends up reeling in the deciding touchdown pass from Skylar Thompson, a beautiful ball in the back of the north end zone. K-State ends up prevailing with a 27-24 win. But again, this is a South Dakota team that has demonstrated it is very much capable of punching above its weight. And Nutter, before we do dive into how the K-State offense matches up against this South Dakota defense, you picked up on a little nugget as it relates to the experience and what's showing on the depth chart for the Coyotes. Yeah, so, you know, I was putting some notes together and uh, noticed the first thing that popped out of me was, man, these guys have a lot of sophomores that start. And, I mean, yes, they were pretty freshman heavy last year, but from what I've gathered, they designate their roster a little bit different than K-State does from back during the – the, the COVID year in 2020, K-State has elected to advance guys in terms of eligibility and then give them the opportunity to come back after their season, you know, after their senior season. Whereas it looks like South Dakota actually froze their eligibility. So if you were a freshman that year, you were listed as a freshman the year after. So while it might look like they're starting sophomore after sophomore after sophomore, some of these guys in reality are entering their fourth college season. So it's a little bit misleading. That's probably worth noting that they may look young at first glance, but in reality, they're probably pretty veteran. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the tail of the tape for the South Dakota defense in 2021. The stats that I'm going to be reeling off are for the Missouri Valley Conference. There are 11 teams in that league. So all the rankings that you're going to hear are South Dakota relative to those 11 squads. So starting off with scoring defense, the Coyotes were fifth in the Valley, giving up just 20.7 points per game. I think that illustrates how tough that league is top to bottom when you have four other teams giving up fewer than 20 points per contest. Total defense, South Dakota 
fourth in the league standings there, giving up 343 yards per contest, just 5.3 per play. Again, another very respectable number. Rushing defense, South Dakota, very stingy on this front, only giving up 120.9 yards per game, just 3.5 yards per carry. Pass efficiency defense, this is where you saw the Coyotes dip a little bit relative to the Mo Valley peers. They were seventh in the league with opponents completing 66% of their throws, tossing 16 touchdowns to just 10 forced interceptions. And then just straight up pass defense, South Dakota sixth in the conference, giving up 223 yards per game. So the defense, again, just going through all those baseline statistics there, they were pretty solid, and they run a 3-4 base, so you'll have a little bit more athleticism with the fourth linebacker as opposed to the fourth lineman. And this really does all start and end with their linebacker, which has made a transition to the inside in that 3-4 alignment. Brock Mogensen, he led the team in tackles last season, racking up 86 stops, six tackles for loss, a sack, and a forced fumble. Also running alongside him, another pretty solid linebacker in Trey Thomas. 36 tackles tied for sixth in that department, but did have four and a half tackles for loss, a few sacks, and an INT. And frankly, the linebackers are the more impressive unit to me, not just in terms of returning production, but also looking at the size of that core group. I'm seeing a lot of 6'2", 240, 6'2", 230, guys that from a size perspective are pretty comparable to what K-State will run up against in the Big 12. Now, lateral quickness, how fast do these guys close in space? That's something we'll have to wait and see on game day, obviously. One area that I do look at when opposing depth charts get put out is the defensive line. And this is typically where you can see a a noticeable discrepancy in terms of overall size on the D-line relative to what K-State will see in the Big 12. And that does hold true in this particular game. Defensive tackles listed at 270, defensive ends checking in at 250 or lighter. I think that's probably where my focus is going to go most if I'm a Kansas State fan is the offensive line. I can't even call it retooled because Cooper Beebe, Leviston, Podier, Gillum, Duffy, they've all played games. Most of them have started for a majority of their career. I think it's really just a question of how quickly Podier gets back to form. How does KT Leviston ad- adapt to starting next to Cooper Beebe? I'm not too worried about any of those things, but this is a game in which I want to see these guys really fire off the ball and move people because, frankly, I don't expect K-State to get too creative as it relates to quarterback run packages for Adrian Martinez. I think this is going to be a game in which K-State tries to go just hat on hat straight up and and attempt to win this at the line of scrimmage. And you want to see those holes get opened up and you want to see Deuce Vaughn and whoever else might be toting the ball behind him get to the second level with ease. That's one area where I'm really going to be tuned in on here in week number one. We're pretty excited and pretty optimistic about the guys up front on our side, but uh, they've got some guys on their side as well. Uh, They've got, uh, Nick Gase, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, um, was uh, toward the top of the team in tackles last year, uh, had 10 stops behind the line and tied for the team lead with seven sacks. And then a Bueller native, another, another native Kansan, uh, Brendan Webb, at the end had 23 tackles 
eight and a half behind the line and four sacks. So, I mean, they've got some guys there with some experience that know how to get into the backfield. So yes, if you want to set that tone early, Jeff, like you said, you know, if we, we really got to fire off the line and, and keep them on their heels. Now, as far as how K-State elects to attack this South Dakota secondary in the passing game, I'm very interested to see if Deuce Vaughn is even targeted that much in this ball game, simply because, one, I look back at last season, and I know any compliments directed at Courtney Messingham are blasphemous, but he really did do a respectable job at finding one-on-one matchups for Deuce against a, a linebacker or a weaker safety, and we would get Deuce breaking wide open down the seam for big gains in the passing game. I don't know if K-State really wants to force the issue there in the same breath, knowing that you're going up against a defense that's in a 3-4 base. If you might get some matchups against slower linebackers early on, how does that also kind of dovetail into the tempo aspect of it? We've heard all offseason about how K-State wants to go a little bit faster on offense. If they run out their first two snaps of the game, bang, eight yards, Deuce Vaughn off left tackle, bang, 12-yard completion to Cade Warner. Do we then say, oh, well, we've got them in their base defense. Let's go tempo, tempo, because we think we can spring Deuce running down the seam and get a big chunk play out of that type of a pass concept. I don't know if you see that here in week number one. Frankly, this does not strike me as the type of game in which K-State's offensive coaches need to be calling six, seven, eight, however many plays in which Deuce Vaughn is the primary target, either coming out of the backfield, flexed out to the slot, wherever the coaches elect to put him pre-snap. I know he led K-State in receptions last year with 49, but that's honestly, that's just kind of it right there. You know what you have in that respect, and you can go to that well if you need to go to that well, but I would feel a lot better if K-State held back in that sense. And honestly, to kind of parlay this with what Adrian Martinez brings you as far as passing acumen goes, he holds the record at Nebraska for all-time completions with 670. He set the single-season completion rate record in 2020 when he hit almost 72% of his throws. This is a guy who has proven several times over that he knows how to chuck it around the yard. And frankly, this is a game in my eyes that I come away feeling more satisfied if Adrian Martinez does share the wealth. If we see maybe nine guys targeted and we don't necessarily see one guy pop off. Nutter, I'm not really expecting that here in week one. Are you? I don't know that K-State's really built to necessarily have one guy go off. You're not going to see any Tyler Lockett, you know, 200 yards, two touchdowns kind of game probably. But uh, in terms of South Dakota secondary, they've got a couple of guys back who I think they're pretty high on. A pair of sophomores at, at cornerback and Deron McKinney and Miles Harden. Both were starters last year that missed quite a bit of time. Um, one of them only played six games. The only other played eight, but they were still both toward the top of the team lead in both tackles, uh, pass breakups. They they uh, forced a couple of turnovers. So there are some guys there. And just how K-State's offense built is built, I wouldn't be surprised to see Martinez put up some decent passing numbers, but I don't think they're all necessarily going to go to one guy. I know we're all hoping that this game – does end up being a runaway victory for Kansas State and that Jake Rubley does end up getting snaps as early as the third quarter. But general question, what's your ideal number of pass attempts for Adrian Martinez here in this season opener? Like you said, you know, you're hoping you can close up the playbook as much as possible. You know, kind of a Bill Snyder special. Don't give the team, don't don't give any future opponents any more film (laughs) than you have to. That said, the fact that it's Martinez's first game with a lot of these receivers If he wanted to let it fly 15, 20 times, I'm not going to be the least bit upset about that. 
Selfishly, I'd like to get a little more earnest look and feel for what this offense is going to be, not just in terms of Colin Klein calling the plays, but also with Adrian Martinez being the quarterback to go out and execute said plays, not Skylar Thompson. That being said, I'd like to see Adrian top out at about 23, 24 pass attempts in this game. And that does bring up a intriguing discussion item, I should say, in what we heard about so much during the offseason, which is tempo. Chris Kleiman went on record as saying he wants to get up around 65, 70 snaps per game. Deuce Vaughn echoed that sentiment, saying that they want to go fast when the opportunity presents itself. And I don't think this necessarily is going to translate into a Bryles-esque attack here in week number one, where K-State is just going bang, 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 snap at every 13 seconds type of a tempo. But in the same breath, I think the coaches know you got to kick this up into second or third gear and at least try to see what this is going to look like in a live environment. I'm sure they've been practicing certain packages during fall camp here, but you do want to introduce this in a live situation and see how the offense executes when the bullets are flying. That being said, I think this really just amounts to being two, three possessions tops in which K-State's offensive coaches perhaps notice some personnel packages come in on the South Dakota side that they feel like they can attack. Maybe they see, hey, they just subbed out three out of their four starting linebackers after that play, or we just got two new defensive backs that came in, both of which are freshmen. Let's roll out this package that has four plays, three of which are passes, and let's go quick, quick, quick and see how we can move down the field against this South Dakota defense. So that'll be one thing that I'll have my eye on. If it amounts to being more than that and we see more tempo from this offense, I'm not going to scoff too much. Uh, I I do think that K-State will make a concerted effort to try and keep that element of the offense under wraps going into the Mizzou game. But As I said, I I wouldn't be too worried if they introduced it a little bit more just to see how it does look and function in a live game setting. So that is definitely one thing I, along with a lot of other K-State fans, will have an eye on. Nutter, are are there any other new elements of the offense under Klein or position battles that you're going to have your eye on here in week number one? You know, we talked a little bit in our preview about, you know, guys we're excited to see. I think I'm I'm definitely interested to see what the running back situation looks like behind Deuce. You know, I know it sounds as though DJ Giddens is kind of the guy behind him. Um, I don't know if Anthony Frias plays much of a role at this point. It's hard to say. I'm just definitely interested to see see who who else might be toting the ball a little bit. You're not alone in that, Nutter. I think plenty of K-State fans are going to be keyed in on that backup running back position, and I know all the fans wearing purple this coming Saturday are going to have their fingers crossed that K-State does flex its muscles at some point and start to separate from South Dakota, hopefully as early as the second quarter, but more realistically probably happening midway through the third and fourth quarter when you start to see the Wildcats twos and threes get the, those in-game reps. And this does dovetail into the Twitter question that we put out to our listeners before we started recording this. Which offensive player not named Deuce Vaughn are you most excited to see this coming Saturday in the season opener? And we got a bunch of responses. Thank you to everybody who chimed in on that Twitter question. Not surprisingly, Adrian Martinez getting a majority of the attention and he plays the most valuable position valuable position on the field so that's not a huge surprise but there are a lot of different 
angles to that, I think. Uh, KSU man, the man. Adrian, he's the biggest piece of the puzzle for the offense that we haven't seen at KSU. Fair point there. Uh, cool Cats, a.k.a. at Coach Clyde Burner. Martinez, without a doubt, the guy seems hungry, and I have a feeling he'll have a chance to really air it out on Saturday like we haven't seen a K-State quarterback do for some time. Again, I made my position clear. I don't think you're going to see the Wildcats put it up in the air too often in this game, but as a, an overarching theme and what we'll see throughout the course of the season, I think K-State and the offensive coaches will feel far more comfortable letting Martinez go out and wing it when, once K-State gets into conference play and they're going to be put in a position where they need to put it up in the air a lot more. I just don't really foresee that happening a lot here in week number one. Uh, nuclear Cat. Adrian Martinez uh, got another response. Uh, T. Willie Cat, uh, I will tell you at 9 a.m. So again, not surprisingly, plenty of K-State fans going to be keyed in on that quarterback position. I know that's one thing I'll, I'll obviously have a very close eye on. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Adrian Martinez can do, not just putting it up through the air, but this was a guy, keep in mind, who rushed for just over 2,300 yards at Nebraska. He is a very dynamic runner. I don't expect a lot of design QB runs for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe got a couple of cracks, perhaps close to the goal line on some zone read type plays. We'll see, obviously, how that unfolds on Saturday. Looking at some other responses that we got, uh, Malik Knowles got mentioned a handful of times. Uh, Joey Elzey mentioned him. Uh, Wabash Cannonbob, Malik Knowles, excited to watch him thrive in this new offense. I, I, too, think that is definitely going to be a focus of the offensive coaches this season. Again, everybody that's going into week number one, hoping to get a, a, a much an accurate picture of what this offense is going to look like week to week. I don't know if you're necessarily going to see that, but I do think one of the. I do think Colin will put an impetus on really trying to force feed Malik Knowles the ball like he did in the bowl game. I think that'll be something we see as kind of a recurring theme throughout the season. I, I expect Malik to be the guy who's likely targeted most in this season opener, but I don't think that's going to be him getting 12 targets if K-State throws the ball 22 times or whatever it amounts to being. So I'm still very much excited to see what Malik Knowles can do here in week number one. Dia Panzer, Hadley Panzer, of course. Go Cats. Uh, thanks for chiming in there, Dia. Much appreciated. Uh, Nordy Jelson, BB moving down to guard. Man, I'm not here to fight with you on that. Cooper BB has all the equity in the world with me, and I think he would eat at any position along that offensive line. I think he's going to do a great job at guard, and I think he's got a great future in football ahead of him. And we did get one, Dale Bremer, hoping to see Jake Rubley, and I think, again, that would hopefully mean that K-State has blown the doors off of South Dakota, and we're talking about a game that's you know, 45 to 10, maybe going into the third, or excuse me, going into the fourth quarter. Um, I would love to see Jake Rubley get a couple of snaps and also see him with a chance to to run run the offense, not just be handing it off, handing it off, handing it off, and then going back to the bench. So plenty of guys to keep an eye on here offensively. Oh, uh, one last response, shout out Bosco's boys and Scott. Appreciate the koozie, my man. Uh, mentioned Jax Deneen. Um, I know we saw on the depth chart that got put out this week, uh, Jax was not listed at the, as the starter at fullback. I do recall seeing some information coming out that indicated he was a little nicked up during fall camp. So 
I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. If he is available here for this first week, great. I think he would still be pretty limited in total number of snaps that he would see. But ultimately, I would much rather have Jackson Dean healthy and ready for the conference stretch. So if he gets some carries or if he gets a couple of snaps in here to lead for Deuce, great. If not, I'm not going to sweat that too much. So again, a number of very intriguing and exciting storylines to keep an eye on here as it relates to the K-State offense in week number one. That being said, I think it's a good time to pivot now and look towards how the K-State defense is going to match up against the South Dakota offense. Quickly, a tale of the tape for the Coyote offense. Looking back at their 2021 numbers, again, the rankings you're going to hear are the Missouri Valley Conference rankings. Again, this is out of 11 teams. South Dakota fifth in scoring offense, averaging 27 points per game. Total offense, they averaged 377 yards per contest. That was good for sixth, only 5.6 yards per play. Passing offense, they were seventh in the conference in that department, 206 yards per contest. But when they did pass, 7.9 yards per attempt. That was one of the higher marks in the Valley. So when they do put it up, they do tend to stretch the field a lot more vertically in that sense. And then lastly, rushing offense, fourth in the conference at 170 yards per game. But that is a little deceiving in that they ran the ball close to 500 times last year, 497 total carries and only averaged 4.1 per tote. So that number is a little bit deceptive. And also when you look at the overall balance and ratio of plays, I should say, this team ran the ball over 61% of the time. So again, this is much more of a team that's focused and establishing ground game. And when they do put it up, they're going to be taking shots. So just be mindful of that. And as it relates to K-State, makes me a little nervous thinking about breaking in three new safeties. I know we've got experience back there with Sincere Mason and Josh Hayes and Drake Cheatham, all those guys have played at their respective schools before they transferred into K-State, but the element of cohesion is one thing that really does come to mind with me. And Nutter, just as a, a high-level thought here, this is going to be the second year of this K-State defense running the 3-3-5 scheme. I think we're all expecting this group to take a step forward in terms of how it executes that scheme week in and week out. But what exactly does that mean? And what are you expecting to see out of this group here in year number two of the three, three, five? Yeah. I mean, with as many, uh, as many sack artists as we seem to have, you know, I, I would hope to see us in the backfield quite a bit. Um, I think there's just tons of excitement, you know, basically at every level, you know, there's obviously some depth concerns at certain spots, but in general, I mean, if I remember right, we were, one trick play in the literal last play of the season away from finishing as a top 25 defense last year. And um, no reason to think we couldn't take a pretty considerable step forward from that. So in general, I mean, I'm expecting to see pretty solid production at every level. We certainly have an accord there, Nutter. And this squad really does remind me so much of the 2016 defense where you just have stalwarts at every single level of the defense. You have Jordan Willis coming off the edge. He was Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year in 2016. Elijah Lee at linebacker. He was first team all Big 12. And then in the secondary, you had... DJ Reed, who ended up being first team all Big 12 at corner. And then you had Dante Barnett at safety coming off of that injury he had sustained in 2015 against South Dakota of all teams. And also statistically looking at what 
K-State did in that 2016 season, comparing it just to what the Wildcats did last year in the 3-3-5. Parallels just abound in terms of yards per K, uh, yards per carry given up, yards per play, total points per game given up. I mean, just, again, so many statistical consistencies there. It's, it's remarkable, and I think that's what has me even more excited when I project what this defense might be able to accomplish this year just with the element of returning experience at all three levels and also the opportunity for the coaches here this past season to go back and evaluate how they were deploying this scheme on a week-in and week-out basis. I don't think there's going to be a ton of tweaks there, but I think that they'll find ways to improve as any good defensive staff will do. And I think that the players just in general are going to be playing much faster and with a level of confidence knowing that they understand assignments, they understand alignments, they're going to know keys, and there's not going to be as much thinking pre-snap. It's going to be a whole lot of reacting and flying to the ball and getting there in a hurry. I am very much looking forward to see what this defense can accomplish here in 2022. And to open things up with this South Dakota offense, which I just talked about statistically was not putting up eye-popping numbers, but I do think will be an attack that will present a number of challenges to this K-State defense. And it really all starts with the quarterback, Carson Camp. Nutter, he had a pretty good season in 2021 and looks poised to have another solid campaign here in 22. Yeah, uh, I think 2,200 yards, uh, 17 touchdowns, and only seven picks. And I believe he was a, if not a third-year freshman last year, definitely a second-year freshman. So again, the sophomore tag is kind of a misnomer. He's been in the program for a little bit. And, you know, fact of the matter is he took him to a playoff game last year. So, I mean, it's definitely not someone that we can really afford to take lightly. Um, And probably something else that really needs to be paid attention to, especially in the first game of the season is this. I don't know that K-State will face a more veteran offensive line at any point this year. You've got four guys that started at least 10 games a year ago. Um, They only lose their starting center. And their left guard, Joey Lombard, actually moves over there. Uh, that is another preseason all-conference pick for them. Um, so, you know, I know our defensive line is pretty stout, and they, they better be up to the task and, and be able, better be able to get to camp because otherwise that line could give him all day. And if given time, he will likely be connecting with his favorite wide receiver, that is Carter Bell, the 5'10", 175-pound sophomore. He led the team last season with 673 receiving yards, averaged better than 16 yards per reception. And he was named preseason first team All-Missouri Valley as an all-purpose back. So that gives you an idea how dynamic he can be in the slot. Definitely a guy to keep an eye on, but... In the grand scheme of things, as I alluded to a little bit earlier when going through the tail of the tape, this is an offense that very much focuses its efforts in running the ball. And to that point, Nutter, you're not going to see necessarily the most explosive running backs, but they do have a couple of bruisers that are capable of wearing you down. They had a pair of 700-yard rushers. I think I read that they were two of the top eight rushers in the conference, but uh, unfortunately, One of their starters, Nate Thomas, was lost at least for the early season due to a non-contact injury in spring ball. So it looks like uh, at this point, the bulk of the carries are going to go to another native Kansan, uh, former Pratt greenback, Travis Teese, 677 rushing yards and eight touchdowns on the ground last year. Um, You got to imagine they'll spread it out a little bit more than that, just kind of based on, like you said, the committee approach they took last year, but kind of an unfortunate blow to them, uh, you know, losing one of their top rushers from a year ago. And also I do want to uh, 
backtrack and say I misspoke. I would hate to discredit anyone here. Alex Jensen, the starting left guard, was actually the preseason all-conference pick uh, on the offensive line. So I just want to make sure I got that right. But yeah, um, I don't think that, you know, it's certainly not not a, not an offense like K-State's where they're trying to focus on one guy. That It seems like they try to spread it around really as much as possible, both on the ground and through the air. It'll certainly be interesting to see how South Dakota elects to attack this Kansas State defense just because of their penchant to run the ball, but also on the flip side, knowing Kansas State has an experienced defensive line and a productive defensive line, one that's shown that it can wreak havoc when you talk about Felix Anudike Uzama and his 11 sacks from last season. Even Nate Matlack, who came on at the end of last year at edge, he racked up three and a half sacks after really not playing a whole lot through the first six, seven games. And don't forget about Eli Huggins in the middle, just a monster at 6'5". K-State fans beyond grateful. He elected to come back for his super senior season. And even guys on the two deep for this defense, I think about Jalen Pickle, uh, Cody Stuffelbean is a guy who's been, we've been hearing about a lot. And Robert Hintz, another one who's been banged up for a majority of his career. Coaches are saying he's finally healthy and ready to actually help and contribute this year. Knowing that South Dakota really wants to establish the ground game, you know, good luck sledding into that defensive line and also thinking about the linebackers. So everybody knows what you have in Daniel Green, just a monster there in the middle. And Sean Robinson, though, is one guy in particular, the transfer from Missouri, who started his career at TCU as a quarterback, went to Missouri, converted over to a defensive position, played defensive back there, has since come over to Kansas State and is now slotted to start at Sam Linebacker. Very intrigued to see what he's going to be giving K-State here in week number one. We've heard Khalid Duke is going to be available how many snaps he gets remains to be seen. He's still obviously on the mend, recovering from that knee injury from last season. And the other big blow, knowing that Will Honus, a guy I think a lot of people had penciled in as a starter at linebacker, he's going to be on the shelf here, at least in the short term. Not sure when his availability is going to become a little bit more certain, but for the moment, Austin Moore is going to grab that Will linebacker spot. So all in all, though, the front six for this K-State defense, I think will very much be up to the task of slowing down this South Dakota running game. The big question in my mind is how does the back end handle things? And that dovetails into the question that I put out on Twitter to our listeners through the college and uh, college underscore Kimball account. What defensive player not named Felix and UDK Uzama are you most excited to watch this coming Saturday and the short side option guys, shout out to Chris Sork and Andrew Lewis uh, or D Luke, excuse me, <laughs> uh, gotta be the trio. So we're talking about the new safeties, new relative term there uh, because again, Sincere Masons started 29 games. Josh Hayes, the transfer who started his career at North Dakota State, went to UVA and has since come to Kansas State. He has 25 starts. Uh, Drake Cheatham, who's slotted at the, uh, at the Jack safety position, he started in his time at Prairie View A&M. There's plenty of experience at that safety position. Uh, the big question there is cohesive, or a cohesion, I should say. How do those guys play together how quickly do they read their keys? And, and I'm I'm not so naive to not expect a blown assignment or two here in week number one, but you hope you can minimize those mistakes and not get beat over the top too often. And 
couple other guys that were brought up as far as players to watch here in week number one. Um, Paul Harris. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Uh, Nate Matlack, a.k.a. Baby Bosa, a.k.a. The Olathe Octopus, a.k.a. Edward Jones, a.k.a. The Suburban Tsunami, a.k.a. Loco Choco. Oh, my boy's cranking out nicknames here. Um, <laughs> uh, Roly Poly Coley, Sean Robinson, again, the TCU transfer, i.e. slash the Missouri transfer, uh, who is slated to start at linebacker. Dude has an impact at his previous two stops, just a pure athlete, knows the game of football. Totally agree with you there, Coley. Uh, and I'm hoping we see big things from him, him this season. Uh, at Nordy Jelson, I'll be watching the safeties in Austin Moore. Again, those guys are certainly going to draw a lot of attention this week. Uh, Dia Panzer mentioned Jalen Pickle and Cody Stuffelbean. Uh, Cody Stuffelbean's a name we've been hearing a lot about, just kind of anecdotally. I think this is kind of the time where you're hoping to see maybe I don't know if we've necessarily reached put up or shut up territory, but you're hoping to see him actually start to crack the lineup and get some snaps in game. Cause we just really haven't seen a lot of him in his time at Kansas state. Um, Sats 19, Nate Matlack, if he's able to put consistent pressure, then when Duke is completely healthy, it's going to be a problem for defenses. Yep. No doubt about that. And honestly, if Khalid Duke doesn't, regain his pre-injury form I still think Nate Matlack is going to be a guy who takes a pretty significant step forward this year just by virtue of getting more snaps like I was saying just a few moments ago he just really didn't see the field a whole lot and the fact that he was able to contribute the way that he did towards the end of last season was a a big positive for me I think big things are in store for him in his career at K-State. So thanks again to those of you who weighed in on the Twitter questions this week, and we'll be posting questions on the college underscore Kimball Twitter account each and every week before we record our preview episodes. We want to give you guys a chance to weigh in on the burning questions surrounding the football team, and also love to shout you out here on the show. So again, appreciate everybody for chiming in on that. That being said, Nutter, let's go ahead and jump into our picks to pop here for week number one. We're going to keep this pretty simple this year. Just give me one guy from the offensive side of the ball, one guy from the defensive side of the ball. Who do you think is going to show out in week number one for K-State? Yeah, um, I think the fact, you know, like you said, they're kind of a balanced offense. I think um, the linebackers are going to get a lot of opportunities, both uh, in the run game and in the passing game. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Daniel Green as my guy on defense. And then um, on offense, you know, got to got to go with old reliable. I know it's a lazy pick and it's an easy pick, but Deuce is going to get his carries and he's going to get his yards and hopefully finds the end zone a couple of times. Safe selections in week number one. Nothing wrong with that. And you're certainly not going to get any judgment from me because I am going to go out on a limb big time with my offensive pick and go with the quarterback. Uh, I just feel like Adrian Martinez stat line relative to Deuce Vaughn is maybe going to pop a little bit more in the box score. And I also say that with the underlying hope that K-State does separate in this contest. If and when that does occur, I still feel pretty confident saying Adrian Martinez will be in the game handing the ball off to DJ Giddens or whoever else might be getting reps at running back. Deuce Vaughn, though, I think if the Wildcats really do blow this one open, he goes to the bench quite quickly. So that's my underlying reasoning there as to why Adrian Martinez is my pick. I think he's going to end up with a fine stat line, probably about 200 some odd yards between his aerial efforts and rushing the ball. And 
couple of touchdowns in there for him. So that's my pick on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I'm going to completely contradict my selections or what I said rather in the Twitter Q&A episode. And I'm going to say Nay Matlack tees off here in week number one. The reasoning for me is I feel like South Dakota is really good to overcompensate and try to do everything in their power to contain King Felix. So I feel like Nate Matlack is going to be given some opportunities one-on-one. And I already touched on how confident and bullish I am in this K-State defensive line. I think they'll be more than up to the task of slowing down South Dakota's running game. And I think that's going to give the defensive line and specifically the edge rushers some opportunities to tee off on those obvious passing down. So go ahead and pencil me down for a couple of sacks for here for Nate Matlack in week number one. So those are my two picks to pop. Before we wrap things up with score predictions, let's very quickly make our picks for the Big 12 games here for college football's week number one. And when you're listening to this on Saturday, there's already going to be a couple of games that have played the backyard brawl between Pitt and West Virginia, KU and Tennessee Tech, and also Oklahoma State hosting Central Michigan. So with that said, we're just going to do our Saturday games here. And these are all really duds. Iowa State hosts Southeast Missouri State. That'll be a win for the Clones. Oklahoma hosting UTEP. The Sooners are a 30.5-point favorite in that game. Dana Demel's squad got worked over pretty bad in in their season opener against North Texas. I think Oklahoma is going to beat the brakes off them. And Norman Baylor will be hosting Albany. That's going to be a win for the excuse me, a win for the Bears. Texas Tech will entertain Murray State. And then Texas will be playing host to UL Monroe. The Longhorns are a 37 and a half point favorite in that contest. So again, I think it's going to be wins all across the board for the Big 12 in that sense. Candidly, I think K-State and South Dakota is probably going to be the most competitive game of the Saturday slate. And with that being said, Netter, since I'm assuming we're in lockstep on those six Big 12 games as far as the winners go, let's just go ahead and offer up our score predictions for the Cats this Saturday. What do you feel the outcome is going to be? Yeah, you know, I said it earlier, I wouldn't mind seeing Martinez air it out a little bit if for no other reason than he hasn't thrown to any of these receivers in a live game, sans Cade Warner, and even that's been a few years. Um, so, uh, all that said, I do expect K-State to pretty well go out and control the game on the ground. You know, I think they're going to possess the ball for pretty considerable margin, uh, by a pretty considerable margin. And, uh, I don't think it'll necessarily be a runaway. Like I said, it's not going to be a 30, 40 point win, but it wouldn't at all surprise me to see this one go about 38, 14 in favor of the Wildcats. Damn it. Oh, man. Uh, I got to come up with a different score on the Did I steal your score? Sorry. (laughs) That that was exactly what I was thinking of. Um, I will – let me swing it one point either direction. I'll say uh, 37 for K-State, 13 for South Dakota. So we'll see a couple more field goals. I know uh, that's one thing we haven't talked about much is the specials. I'm excited to see Chris Tennant, uh, especially after the way that he wrapped up uh, the regular season, booming that 50, I want to say it was a 54-yarder against Texas down there in Austin. And I know he didn't play in the bowl game, but excited to see what Tennant can do as far as the specials are concerned. Wouldn't shock me at all if we saw K-State pop off a return. And, and we know Phil Brooks has shown the penchant for returning punts for touchdowns. Interested to see as well who K-State's going to be throwing back there as far as the kick returns. 
I know you can look at the depth chart there, but that's always one of those things where it doesn't shock me if we might see some different combinations or if this is a game that gets a little bit out of hand, if K-State maybe elects to throw somebody else out there to return, you know, a second half, hopefully one of the few kicks that they're going to be returning in this contest against South Dakota. So I'm going to say 37 to 13. And that score, uh, again, we're talking about a 24 point win over a quality FCS team. That would make me more than happy if K-State can get Adrian Martinez, you know, into the fourth quarter and on the bench and, and turning signals over to Jake Rubley. I would be thrilled with that if that is the outcome in this contest. So that's my call for this coming Saturday, projecting K-State to go 2-1-0 before the Wildcats get set to play host to the Missouri Tigers, a big game forthcoming on September 10th. And look at me, I'm already talking about a game that's you know almost two weeks out now, <laughs> but that's the, the joy of this sport is that you can look, you can start projecting ahead and getting excited about things. And I, I, I'm, I could not be more thrilled though, for the season open, looking forward to getting back to Bill Snyder family stadium. Nutter, you and I going to be taking this one in together. I haven't watched a game with you. It's uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, like, it would have been in the press box. So we wouldn't have really been talking. Much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely been a while, but yeah, it'll, it'll be a good time. No doubt about that. And, uh, Fans, we'll uh, we'll try to put out a couple of polls on game day, and and we'll also be soliciting just immediate reaction from from you, our listeners, on Twitter after this one wraps up. So make sure to check the Twitter feed uh, throughout the course of the game. Interact with us. We'll be following along, obviously, as we'll be at the stadium there, hoping that the Wi-Fi is nice and strong on game day. So with all that said, let's go ahead and close this one out. Follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball if you haven't done so already. Follow and subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is. And if you do have a few additional moments, a rating and review would be greatly appreciated. All that being said, I'm going to go ahead and shut this one down. Cats, man, if you know, you know. Let's go get a dub.